The kidnapping incident occurred Thursday evening when an 18-year-old Santa Fe College student was reported missing by her family. Santa Fe College Police Chief Ed Book says they are increasing security so this incident doesn't occur again. There is clearly a heightened awareness and there is more patrol and more officers and we're just going to make sure that we're going to do our absolute best to make sure that we can't have anything like this. I don't want to have it one time, let alone ever have uh, a repeat. Book adds the County commissioners voted Tuesday night to oppose four pieces of proposed legislation filed in Tallahassee. Among the opposed bills is Senate Bill 958, which would override the county's ordinance setting an airboat curfew. Florida State Senator Steve Ulrich introduced the bill to the Florida legislature. Quiet Lakes of Alachua County co-chairman Whitey Markle says Ulrich's bill doesn't make sense. Look, he's trying to take away home rule. It took us 16 years to get that thing on the ballot and get it passed. 38,000 people voted for it, and one man is going to erase it so that they can double the noise level out there in the lake. It's not making any sense to me. Ulrich says the bill aims to reduce... Traffic is running in both north and southbound lanes again on I-75 and U.S. 441 in Alachua County. On Sunday, a section of I-75 over Payne's Prairie was the scene of the most devastating interstate pileup in north-central Florida history. The multi-vehicle incident, which involved more than 20 vehicles, including seven semi-trucks, killed 10 people and sent 21 others to Shands and North Florida Regional Hospitals. Law enforcement officials blame heavy smoke from a 62-acre fire on the prairie, which began smoldering on Saturday. The one who lived through it was 19-year-old University of Florida student Ronnie Herrera. He recalls the smoky conditions he encountered when he drove through Payne's Prairie on his way home from Tampa. We were coming from Gasparilla in Tampa. You saw the edge of the smoke, and you didn't really think it was that bad. You know, it was a sign that said smoke ahead, but there was always like fog in Payne's Prairie around that time. So we didn't think we'd be that bad. Owners of a Marion County horse farm are trying to recoup after an explosion this morning left one of their workers dead and a second injured. The incident took place at Kesmark Rehabilitation Center where Marion County Sheriff Spokeswoman Jennifer Lau says officials are still on the scene. Right now there are several agencies on scene, Marion County Sheriff's Office and Marion County Fire Rescue along with the Medical Examiner's Office, State Fire Marshal and OSHA. Uh, which is the Occupation Safety and Health uh, Administration. The sheriff's office reported the deceased woman as 28-year-old Erica Marshall and the injured woman as 33-year-old Sorsha Monley. Two farm workers and a horse were in a hyperbaric chamber. The horse was, was inside the chamber and the workers were, were either in the chamber or nearby and something caused a combustion. There was a very large explosion. One of the workers died because of the explosion. We have an issue here up and down the uh, the coast and along the I-4 corridor where Progress Energy is charging its customers and have been charging its customers uh, each month a fee to build two nuclear power plants in Levy County. We have come to realize now that they probably will never build those nuclear power plants. They have, in fact, just uh, decided to cancel the contract with the contractor and, and in fact, um, I tried very hard to amend a energy bill in committee this past week uh, that would have stopped the cost recovery charge, as it's known, to continue to be charged to the Progress Energy customers. Right now, the Progress Energy
Whitney Houston had America dancing with her 1987 hit, I Wanna Dance with Somebody. The vibrant singer was rising to the peak of her career, and to her fans, it seemed almost nothing would get in her way. The 48-year-old singer brought America to its feet once again during last night's Grammy Awards, but for a very different reason. Houston was found underwater in her Beverly Hilton bathtub Saturday night, and Hollywood was faced with yet another music icon's untimely demise. A search of Houston's room later that day unearthed several prescription pills, including Xanax. And though her autopsy results have not yet been released, University of Florida professor of pharmacy Paul Doring says he wouldn't be surprised if this case mirrored other celebrity cases like Michael Jackson. If there's a doctor out there who carelessly prescribes the medication without some follow-up or without some degree of, of oversight... An Austrian-Canadian businessman is requesting a water consumption permit in Marion County for over 13 million gallons per day. According to Ocala.com, the daily water usage of the entire city of Ocala is about 12.58 gallons per day. The businessman is Forbes List billionaire Frank Stronich, who gained his fortune through the automotive parts industry and horse racing. His most recent venture? Beef. Stronich is Marion County's largest private landowner, with over 29,000 acres to his name. His proposed cattle farm, called Adina Springs Ranch, could house a herd of 30,000 cows, more than doubling the amount of cattle currently in Marion County. Adina originally filed a request with the St. John's Water Management District to withdraw about 13 million gallons a day, though that now has been reduced to about 5 million gallons. The reduction comes as Adina announced a plan to spread out their cattle using satellite farms. Dr. Robert Knight of the Odom Springs Institute fears that those new farms will require water as well, though Adina spokeswoman Honey Rand says there's no new impact because of management and operational changes. One of those satellite farms is planned for Putnam County, which drew some concern from residents at the county commission meeting. Putnam County resident Karen Chadwick is worried about the environmental impact. They're fencing, clear-cutting, leaving one or two little oak trees here and there. A lot of wildlife is being displaced, and the Starlight Homeowners Association asked Adina to come to one of their meetings and tell them what's going on. St. John's Water Management District spokesman Hank Largan says residents in the area have protested to such a degree that the district will hold a public forum meeting. Largan says despite what many residents think, the permit has not yet been approved. When we received this permit application back in December, it was for a, a large amount of water, and we realized early on that there was uh, going to be a, a lot of interest uh, in this permit application. And, a little uh, more than two weeks ago, Jeremy Lin was an unknown, unheralded basketball player sleeping on his brother's couch, struggling to hang on with the NBA's New York Knicks. Given a fluke opportunity to impress, Lynn amazed. Since then, the Harvard graduate has become a staple for the Knicks, helping New York rattle off a season-high seven-game win streak and win eight out of nine. In a society that craves inspiration, University of Florida Hugh Cunningham professor in journalism excellence, Mike Foley, says Lynn is the perfect story. It's just a terrific uh, 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 hero story. The guy's come from nowhere. He's, he's, he's Rocky Balboa. He's... Uh, He's, uh, he's, he's, you know, they, they told me he couldn't play, and he can. And people love a story like that. They just love, and it's in New York. 
It is the media center of the universe. As far as His the recent legislative session, you've also been under the gun on uh, your views on privatization, even getting you, kicked you off a committee. Yeah. You've yeah. been in the hot seat a lot. Well, I don't know if I've been in the hot seat a lot. And if it's, if it's a hot seat um, with uh, leadership in Tallahassee, I wear that with a badge of honor. Um, I worry about my constituent, what's constituents and what's good for the state of Florida. Uh, I oppose uh, privatizing uh, 28 prisons and 18 counties, prisons that were built by the taxpayers of the state of Florida to the tune of a half a billion dollars to turn them over to two for-profit companies that have donated heavily to the campaigns and the political parties. The University of Florida Police Department has forwarded sworn allegations to the state attorney's office from victims in relation to the recent hazing case at the University of Florida involving the Theta Sigma chapter of the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity on campus. The university is cracking down on hazing and with an abuse website in the works, Kemp's and organizations caught in the wrong will develop a permanent record. The 13 task force members present at Monday's meeting say the website will promote transparency. Um, we also talked about um, this would be for organizations that were formally charged, so there was enough information for us to begin the conduct process. Um, Out of the The Students for a Democratic Society at the University of Florida held a rally this afternoon in Turlington Plaza to bring awareness to the Trayvon Martin case. UF students and Gainesville residents filled the plaza decked out in hoodies, demanding justice for the fatal shooting of the Sanford teen. Students for a Democratic Society lead organizer Matthias Kaplan says he thinks it's ridiculous that race still plays such a huge role in today's society. What I'm here for is that I think we need to end, you know, racism in this state. Like, it's literally the year, like, 2012. Like, how absurd is it that, you know, somebody can be shot just for walking home with this hoodie up? And, you know, the man who shot him is not even in custody yet. He hasn't even been tried. I don't even know if he will be tried. So we're here demanding an end for any uh, racism in the state of Florida and an end for um, basically the systemic racism. On Thursday, that, you know, Sanford happening. Police Chief Bill Lee announced he's stepping down temporarily. The police chief has come under fire for not making an arrest in the Trayvon Martin case. Chief Lee, who doesn't want to be a continued distraction in the case, says authorities were prohibited from making an arrest based on the facts and circumstances they had at the time of the shooting. And UF Levin College of Law professor Michael Siegel explains how there may not have been an arrest given Florida's stand-your-ground law. Florida law is quite aggressive uh, in the way that it does this. Not only does it remove the duty to retreat, but it, it says that anybody who uh, claims to have acted in self-defense um, meeting the requirements of the statute uh, has an immunity from arrest um, as well as prosecution. But when does this law apply? That George Zimmerman told police he lost Martin in the neighborhood he regularly patrolled and was walking back to his vehicle when Martin approached him from behind. Zimmerman said the two exchanged words and Martin punched him, jumped on top of him, and began banging his head into the sidewalk. The Sanford police later stated the newspaper story was consistent with the evidence turned over to prosecutors. University of Florida history professor Paul Ortiz says this could have happened happened in any community and to any family. Yeah, well, I think the initial response was one of, of shock and outrage because without, without the public outcry, it appeared to be the case that uh, a young man uh, was, was killed, uh, murdered, and 
there was going to be no major uh, investigation or no major looking it's into what had actually happened. It's been 47 days since um, San Fertin Trayvon yeah. Martin was shot and killed by neighborhood watch captain 28-year-old George Zimmerman. When Zimmerman was not immediately arrested and charged in the teen's death, Martin's family filed suit. The case fueled outrage across the nation. It raised the question of whether or not someone can be deemed suspicious simply by walking unarmed through a neighborhood. University of Florida Progressive Black Men Incorporation is an organization helping the professional development of African-American men. Group member Kama As petitions for George Zimmerman's arrest continue to spring up on social media websites such as Facebook, so is the growing interest in his motivation for shooting 17-year-old Trayvon Martin. Zimmerman has previously been referred to as neighborhood watch captain. But Sanford Police Department Sergeant David Morgenster says there's a big difference between a neighborhood watch organization and the Sanford citizens on patrol. The neighborhood watch is a, a thing that's set up by the A six-year-old is in good like condition that. today after he escaped from a man trying to abduct him from his backyard in Gainesville. Though the Alachua County Sheriff's Office would not release the name of the parents, spokesman Art Forgey says they are very happy they are not out searching for their son tonight. Boy's in good condition. He was unhurt. Uh, obviously at this age, I don't We are proud of all of our students because we know that they come to our college filled with a desire to connect with others tell important stories, make a difference, and improve the lives of those that they reach. And Michael was a perfect example of just such a student. A memorial was held Monday night at the Wrights Union Amphitheater in honor of Michael Edmonds, Jr., a 26-year-old journalism student at the University of Florida who died after falling from the upper levels of Ben Hill Griffin Stadium last Sunday. In addition to loving journalism, Edmonds was also an avid cyclist and was a member of UF's Team Florida Cycling Club. The team put together a memorial ride for Edmonds right before the ceremony, spanning 12 to 15 miles around the campus perimeter. Friends and loved ones gather at the amphitheater to remember his kind ways. Former roommate Morgan McGill recalls his caring personality. He was always giving. He was a very interesting person. Um, you know, if I needed help on anything, he was always like... Satchel Ray is still feeling the burn from last night's kitchen fire at his beloved pizza joint, Satchel's. What the fire inspector thinks happened is that the ovens were so hot that they caught on a stud. They caught a stud on fire behind the ovens in the wall, and then the fire crept up the wall between the brick and the outside. 700 cats were rescued from Caboodle Ranch in February. Southeastern Regional Director for the Field Investigation and Response Team for the ASPCA, Adam Leith, says most of the animals were found with serious diseases. It's very common in hoarding cases to find respiratory viruses, so herpes, calicea virus, even things such as the feline immunodeficiency virus. $626,770. That's the amount Haven Acres Cat Sanctuary owners Penny and Steve Lefkowitz will have to pay over time to the Humane Society of the United States. It's a part of their 15-year probation after hoarding 697 cats. Alachua County Humane Society Executive Director Eric Van Ness says Alachua County residents need to realize the restitution money will be going to the National Division of the organization and not the local branch. The restitution in that case goes to Humane Society of the United States, rightfully so. And what 
I'm concerned about is There was a buzz in the Alachua County Sheriff's Office as everyone was high-fiving and celebrating the arrest of the suspect in the Hale Plantation sexual assault case. In May of 2008, a woman running in Hale Plantation at night was sexually assaulted by an unknown man who escaped before authorities arrived. Now, four years later, Andrew Payne has been arrested in Georgia. Random drug testing for state workers was signed into law late last night by Governor Rick Scott. The argument among some is whether this new law violates constitutional rights. American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, Florida Legislative Director Doug Martin, says Florida has had a Drug-Free Workplace Act for several decades, which they supported. But this new law is something they oppose. Both we and... The ACLU of Florida, you know, um, brought constitutional concerns to the legislature, and the right there, just on the other side, other side of that pipe that's sticking up there, that's where that lake used to be. Really? Really, that lake was right there. Right past that, that white pipe sticking up. Yeah, there? where that white pipe is, just uh, two feet the other side of that white pipe. See, that's my. Virgil Allison lives with his significant other Shirley off of Lake Geneva in Keystone Heights. But you see how it's all dry down there? And you see how the lake is in uh, little puddles, a puddle here, a puddle there, so forth? You can't run a boat in there. And, uh, or what's left of it. Then I got to the point where I couldn't run my airboat. My airboat was stuck out here for four months. These are the voices of Orange Lake, or as some who live in the area now call it, Orange Prairie. The current dry conditions in North Florida have caused many Marion County lakes to reach incredibly low levels, but Orange Lake has all but vanished, leaving lakeside residents and businesses high and dry. Gary Walker lives next Your to Your RH is 44 percent. Your winds are north, northeast. It started with a strike of lightning and persisted with a dry and shifting wind. Now 35,000 acres of the Osceola National Forest are on fire, leaving thousands in North Florida with heavy smoke blanketing their surroundings. The drive into the forest area is perhaps the worst, making it hard to breathe even in the confines of a car. It will be going on for some time uh, until this fire is contained, and we do receive uh, ample rainfall on it. The Dark Knight series has always had dark overtones. But that took a whole new form today as 12 people were killed during a shooting at the midnight premiere of the new film, The Dark Knight Rises. There were odd coincidences during the shooting, such as the bullets ringing out during a violent scene in the movie. So much so that some moviegoers believed it was part of the show at first. Despite the tragedy in aura, many Gainesvillians will not be deterred from what is being dubbed by many as the movie event of the summer. Moviegoer and college student Max McKegg says that it was just another tragedy, not a direct link to The Dark Knight. I don't feel like that shooting was a particularly motivated for the event. You know, it wasn't like, I don't think. The Aurora, the Colorado night. shooting has brought about mental health concerns. There is speculation the shooter involved was dealing with mental illnesses. The tragedy is hard for many adults to grasp, so imagine how tough it is for children to deal with it. Gainesville's child psychiatrist Elias Sarkis says parents should try to monitor how much coverage they see of the shooting. In the reference to the Colorado shooting, um, you know, kids, um, especially if they've been watching a lot of TV, are going to be feeling insecure. You could please join us under the tent and circle around. The smoke that is engulfing Gainesville this week brings back memories of the conditions in late January that caused a series of fatal car crashes on I-75 and claimed 11 lives. Although it has been nearly three months since the tragic event, the actions of those who responded to the disaster are not being forgotten. 
Alachua County Sheriff Sadie Darnell hosted a ceremony yesterday at the Garden of Hope outside Shands Cancer Hospital to recognize the multitude of medical staff and professionals who assisted during the early hours of January 29th and the days that followed. Sheriff Darnell says she held the ceremony because the Sheriff's Department wanted to recognize the other organizations that played a vital role in disaster relief during the crashes. It was my need and, and the men and women of the Sheriff's Office need to recognize the, the people who in our community responded to the events of the I-75 tra tragedy, that series of crashes. Now, a nearly 40-page report may give some closure to people wanting answers to what exactly happened. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement released its findings of the investigation that Governor Rick Scott called for shortly after the accidents. FDLE spokesman Keith Kamig says investigators listened to hundreds of hours of dispatch recordings, along with audiovisual and telephone recordings, to come to the findings made public Thursday. Our job at FDLE was about fact-finding. We did that. We made our recommendations. And now we believe these recommendations will be something that's important going forward. According to the report, the FDLE recommended the Florida Highway Patrol create a new policy dealing with specific mandatory protocols to be followed rather than just guidelines and come up with a way to better monitor areas like Payne's Prairie where low visibility is a frequent problem. The report also recommends an immediate evaluation of roadway signs. University's plans, but students at both institutions rejoiced to Friday's news that Florida Governor Rick Scott had vetoed House Bill 7129, called by Matchin a preeminence bill, but referred to by students as an unjust increase in tuition. With Florida's budget officially signed for the 2012-2013 fiscal year, higher education institutions have actively sought ways to offset the $300 million in state funding cuts, with an annual increase in student tuition the major focus to supplement the losses. According to University of Florida spokeswoman Janine Sykes, President Match and among other leaders across the state were desperately hoping the governor would pass the bill. President Matchin, as well as other state leaders, had had put a lot of faith into the preeminence bill. University so of Florida faculty and staff got an opportunity to voice their opinions today about the school's impending budget cuts. In a forum put on by the University of Florida Faculty Senate, President Bernie Matchin got the opinions of faculty and staff about the school's financial issues. UF Senior Vice President of Agriculture and Natural Resources, Jack Payne, attended the meeting. He says the budget cuts are cutting into the school's quality of education. It's been a number of years, uh, about 25 to 30 percent of the university's funding has been reduced by the state legislature, and it's getting uh, very difficult to maintain the quality of what the University of Florida A few is weeks ago, Justices Barbara Periente, Fred Lewis, and Peggy Quince took a rare hour-long break during a hearing after being informed they hadn't completed the proper paperwork to conduct their merit retention elections. Supreme Court justices and appellate court justices in Florida must appear on the ballot every six years and ask voters if they remain qualified to stay in office. The suspension of oral argument has drawn fire from elected officials, particularly Republican legislators. 
Dan Stengel is the legal counsel to the merit retention campaigns for these justices. Homeless shelters in rural counties across the state are getting a helping hand with their finances. The announcement was made by the Florida Department of Children and Families. According to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, it costs a little more than $1,600 per month on average to house a family in a shelter. DCF in a meeting last more- night, county commissioners reversed their decision to place a one-quarter cent tax for a proposed bus rapid transit system in Gainesville on November's ballot. The tax was removed from the ballot by a 3-2 vote. Alachua County Commissioner Susan Baird says the transit sales tax plan was too vague to approve. The whole thing is just very, very vague, very loose, not clear enough and not specific enough and no cost-benefit analysis on all I'll have another. We'll not be racing in the Belmont. Can you tell me um, what the reaction is at this point in the Ocala racing community? Well, I think everyone's very, very disappointed. I mean, we will look forward to, after after a horse wins. Any time a horse wins the Derby or the uh, Preakness and has a chance to win the Triple Crown, there's a lot of anticipation. But the fact that the horse was uh, sold here at OBS and uh, broke, you know, broken and trained up in uh, Williston at Eisman Equine. As the only American band asked to play for the Summer Olympics, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the Pride of the Sunshine Gator Band. I spoke with drum major Ethan Tripp about how the Gator Band has been preparing for its performance tonight and Sunday. We've had a rehearsal uh, for the, the performance on the Mel, which uh, in a couple of days we're going to be playing for the women's cycling events. Uh, and the Mall is, is the Queen's driveway, the road that's leading up to Buckingham Palace. Um, so we rehearsed there a few days ago. Uh, things went very well. Um, we had quite a, a crowd, a lot of security. Senator Graham will give the keynote address at this Saturday's event called Speak Up for Florida's Waters at the Florida's Springs and Waterways Protection Summit in Ocala. Graham says many of Florida's water bodies are in peril. What we see all over the state, particularly in north central Florida, are springs that used to be among the most beautiful in the nation that have become degraded in quality and reduced in quantity. We think that this is an issue that needs to have immediate serious attention by those responsible for water policy in Florida, and we hope that this gathering at Silver River will be the impetus to achieve that. Cedar Key City officials say the recent drought has caused the water in the area to be affected by saltwater intrusion. Cedar Key Water and Sewer Board Chairman David Beach explains the water has been deemed unfit for human consumption, though using the water for other purposes is fine. We strongly recommend people do not drink or prepare food or otherwise use for consumption. It's not a problem to wash with. It's not a problem to bathe with. It's not a problem to do the dishes or the laundry or any other. After stalling in the Gulf of Mexico, Tropical Storm Debbie continues to pound away on Florida's west coast. For one small coastal community in the northern Gulf of Florida, Cedar Key, Debbie has been quite the downer. Storm surge and heavy rainfall have caused its shoreline businesses to temporarily close. Peter Stephanie, owner of the Island Dream Restaurant, says the biggest problem has been the storm surge and high winds because the storm seems to be hovering over the Gulf. It snuck up on us, and that happens. Um, And it's lingering out there, which is something that doesn't usually happen, and it's happened before, but not quite like this. This is a little, that's the big difference, it's lingering. It's keeping all the water pushed into this bay. The Bay that so we just received an update from the National Hurricane Center, 
and the National Weather Service about uh, Tropical Storm Debbie. Uh, the, um, by the way, this is the earliest D uh, ever, uh, we were told. But we're 70, it's sitting 75 miles off the coast right now, going northeast at um, 3 miles an hour. Uh, it's large, uh, s uh, slow, unorganized. The, uh, it's heading towards uh, Taylor and Dixie counties. Uh, we're going to receive a significant amount of rain in a large part of the state, 10 to 20 inches of rain overall. We're going to have uh, flooding, uh, potential tornadoes. Uh, we'll have another update at 5 p.m. from the uh, National Hurricane Center. We just declared uh, a state of emergency, which will What exactly are we looking at in terms of dangerous conditions? Well, there's a lot going on on the Santa Fe River due to the recent tropical storm. And um, there, there's been some reporting about the flooding on the river and, you know, concern about houses or structures being affected. But what we got going on, at least on the stretch of the Santa Fe that borders Alachua County, is we've got really hazardous conditions in the water that warrants discouraging paddlers, canoers, kayakers, or swimmers being in that stretch of the river. It's just, um, it's deceiving. Um, it's, it, people may be attracted to it because the it's really... efforts and the rescue effort during the first, uh, probably the, the height of the rain when the wa water was beginning to uh, go around the homes uh, and they actually enter the homes, uh, the Sheriff's Department here in Live Oak made a concerted effort to rescue families from their homes. This went on for probably a good 12 hours, and then they went on. That now, was first, just kind of tell me what happened. Well, it was actually in our kitchen, and me and my brother looked out the window, heard a lot of wind and, like, almost like a roaring noise. And I'm going to guess two to 300 yards in our backyard, saw a huge tornado coming towards our barn, um, and we actually proceeded to run into the bathroom, take cover. Um, about five minutes later, it came back out, and we could see it went around our house. And Director of the ACEPD, Chris Bird, describes how sinkholes form and how Tropical Storm Debbie has contributed to them. The way it kind of starts is with the drought, with the overpumping of the aquifer and the lack of rain, the water level in the Florida aquifer has dropped. And so actually that water, when it's at a normal level, it kind of helps support the ground. And when, that, when the water level drops, then you create these um, big gaps that, so the ground may not be as stable. Then when we get a lot of rain, like despite the, the clear skies and warm temperatures in north central Florida, the rain from what was then Tropical Storm Debbie is still affecting residents in the area. The storm flooded many parts of north central Florida, leaving a lot of stagnant water in the region. This water can be harmful to the health of residents for a number of reasons, like providing a breeding ground for mosquitoes. Alachua County Health Department Environmental Supervisor Todd Harris says people should stay away from floodwaters. We would definitely encourage folks not to immerse themselves or swim into those. Charges were filed water. against nine members of the University of Florida's chapter of the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity after a hazing incident that occurred earlier this year. The pledges in the fraternity were hit with a paddle for failing to recite the correct information or answer questions correctly. The state attorney, Chief Investigator Spencer Mann, says the prosecutor in the case charged all but one individual. The prosecutor in the case uh, took testimony, reviewed the uh, evidence in the case and made charging decisions, charging all but one. The U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission has delayed final approval of several proposed new nuclear plants. This decision comes as Progress Energy Florida is in the process of establishing two nuclear plants in Levy County.
At least 19 reactor licensing projects were put Warning signs on I-75 in Payne's Prairie may not be put in place for more than a year, if at all. The signs were proposed after 11 people were killed in a series of crashes due to low visibility from smoke and fog in January. The pileup was dubbed the most deadly in Florida's history. State Traffic Operations Engineer for the Florida Department of Transportation, Mark Wilson, says Gainesville is on the radar for new technology to prevent future car wrecks. You know, we were appropriated a $4 million from the legislature to use specifically for fog and smoke. Uh, At this time, the risk to public health is uncertain, yet we remain vigilant in our efforts to ensure that outreach to all patients potentially affected by any NECC medication is being conducted through every possible avenue. University of Florida professor of pharmacy Paul Doring says he's been following the fungal meningitis outbreak closely. I talked with him this afternoon. I learned this morning that in addition to this uh, steroid, this this cortisone-like product, the uh, concern has expanded to other drugs that have been prepared by the New England Compounding Center. Now, this is still preliminary information. From what I understand, there are drugs that are used in the Alachua County Health Department has detected the infection of the West Nile virus in two sentinel chickens. Alachua County Health Department Administrator Paul Myers says even though the mosquito-borne disease is preventable, all Alachua County residents should follow precautionary measures. We have detected the virus across North Florida from the Panhandle all the way to Jacksonville. So it appears that it is, um, you know, starting to move south a little bit. Foremost, Christian is still missing. Uh, we have not recovered um, him or any evidence of where he might be. Um, we can confirm that several days before Christian's disappearance, uh, Pedro Bravo did, per, uh, did purchase a shovel and a roll of duct tape. And uh, I've sent out an email that has a stock photo of a, a similar shovel. It's not the actual shovel that has not been recovered. Christian's father, Carlos, says the shovel and duct tape may not have been meant for his son. What is, what is your message for the community and what is your message, you know, in you trying to find where your boyfriend is? My message is basically that um, give us as much help as we can get anyone who lives here who, who can take off a few days or even a few hours, just come out and help us look through the woods that we want to find him and we, we hope he's alive and I believe he's alive. I'm not going to think otherwise. It's been seven days since University of Florida student Christian Aguilar went missing. Search parties surrounded the fairgrounds area in northeast Gainesville using sticks to walk through densely wooded areas and searching the ground for any evidence of Aguilar. Unfortunately, Gainesville Police Department spokesman Ben Tobias says new information has yet to surface. Nothing has changed this morning. The only thing that's changed is the size of the search. Uh, we're adding Gainesville more Police and more Department Public Information Officer Ben Tobias describes what authorities found out from suspect Pedro Andres Bravo when he turned himself in. Pedro had told us originally in his original interview, which is actually the only interview that he's done with us, um, that a fight had occurred and that he had beat Christian and left him in an area uh, in the northwest side of town. Um, and we have no evidence uh, to say that any of that happened. But Tobias says along with the lack of evidence that Bravo is telling the truth about what happened, there are also... The search is over. 
Christian Aguilar has been found and now his family is facing the task of moving on. More than 100 people gathered last night at St. Augustine's Church to show support to the Aguilar family and to say goodbye to Christian. Christian's father, Carlos Aguilar, says the memorial is a way for him to say thank you to the community that he now calls his family. To tell those people they helped me search for my son, thank you. They deserve to say goodbye to my son with me and honor my son the same way that they did by looking and searching for him. And they're no more indifferent. This is The old wives' tale goes, never eat oysters in a month without the letter R in it. For this year's oyster season, which started on September 1st in Cedar Key, that wives' tale could extend through the winter months, but for a different reason. It's enough for Governor Rick Scott to declare a commercial fishery failure last month. Cedar Key resident Jeannie Beckham owns an oyster business and says the shortage may have severe effects. I don't know, we might not be able to finish this season out. You know, that's how few oysters there is. Economic freedom is under attack. And the only way we're gonna take it back is to make people smarter and more informed about the facts. That's the message former presidential candidate Herman Cain had for the audience of over 200 people who saw him speak Thursday night on the University of Florida Come campus. Come on, Gators, let's give it up for the first lady of the United States, Michelle Obama. A packed University of Florida O'Connell Center greeted First Lady Michelle Obama on a campaign swing through Gainesville. First, let me just say, go Gators! But before the First Lady was introduced, many key Democratic Party leaders from around the state talked about issues that affect students. Florida Democratic Party Chairman Rod Smith told the crowd how President Obama has helped keep the student loan rates low. Student loans are not a profit center for nationwide lenders. What student loans are, are they are an investment. Let's start with describing the location of where the shooting occurred compared to where your station is. How far away are you from the scene? Well, Sandy Hook, it's a village located within Newtown, and it's a suburban upper middle class community. And um, it's quite a distance from, uh, from New York City. It's, it's about 50 miles away, and uh, it's not too far from us as well, um, about a 25-minute drive. Uh, we have one of our reporters at the scene right now at the school and another at a nearby hospital. But uh, going back to, uh, to Newtown, suburban upper middle class community, very peaceful, uh, just like a lot of the, uh, some communities on the outskirts of Gainesville, uh, a place you wouldn't really expect something like this to happen. And story in Connecticut we were, about a shooting that happened at a local elementary school. Do you have any comments on that situation? Yes, I, I'm, I'm uh, breach stricken at such loss, being a father of five children, a grandchildren of eight grandchildren, uh, a grandfather, Eight times, I, I, my heart just breaks, breaks to think of uh, what those families are experiencing. And uh, it really does put into question, in my mind, why are we creating these gun-free zones so that a, a person that's irrational, who doesn't care what your rules are, has a sterile target. He knows he can go in that environment, and no one will be prepared to stop him. And, and, and it absolutely validates to me that this idea of gun control in a state here where 
uh, in Connecticut has some of the strongest gun control laws. In order to keep both parents and and students at ease, officials are putting in an extra effort and increasing patrol at elementary schools in the area. Spokesman for the Gainesville Police Department, Ben Tobias, describes the atmosphere of today's school day. It's a little more reserved, I guess is a good word word to use, Uh, more reserved than normal. Um, Everyone seems to be a a bit more tentative. Really getting people to understand that there is an issue with gun, but then you have the Second Amendment that gives you the right to bear arms. So, uh, and most folks in the state of Florida... And it seems now that uh, President Obama has been elected for a second term and he is a lame duck. He has nothing to lose now by uh, attacking our gun rights. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement saw a rise in the number of permits being processed right after the election. The day after the November 6th election, there were 3,019 requests for background checks. You're listening to the front page edition of All Things Considered on Florida's 89.1 WUFTFM. I'm Jordan Maddock. And I'm Mark Whiteman. In the wake of the most devastating interstate pileup in north-central Florida history, traffic is running again in both the north and southbound lanes on I-75 and U.S. 441 in Alachua County. The multi-vehicle crash, which included more than 20 vehicles, left 10 dead and 21 others injured. The accident occurred when smoke from a 62-acre fire in Payne's Prairie billowed onto I-75. And Florida Highway Patrol spokesman Pat Reardon says the haze from the fire caused drivers on the road to lose all visibility. The mixture of fog and smoke uh, came across this area very and settled in very quickly. And shortly thereafter is when the collisions occurred. Those injured at the scene were immediately rushed to Shands and North Florida Regional Hospital. And Shands Chief Medical Officer Timothy Flynn said says about 15 to 20 extra doctors and nurses were called in to assist in victim care. Something like this where the capacity for mass casualties uh, is something that uh, we have the ability to ramp up for because we have people on call and all you have to do is make a phone call and the tree starts and we, uh, we all come in. Fire officials are still unsure as to what actually caused the fire, but Reardon says the initial incident involved one of the multiple semi-trucks involved in the accident. A tractor trailer had several vehicles fly to the back end of it and they did catch fire and they were totally engulfed and and totally burned. Both I-75 and U.S. 441 were reopened around 11 a.m. this morning and Florida Department of Transportation spokesperson Gina Busker says while the roads are currently safe to drive on, they will need some resurfacing moving forward. There was a certain uh, couple of sections on the roadway that we would need to resurface um, for long-term, for it to hold up under uh, long-term traffic. Um, Of course, it was safe to drive on. That's why we uh, released, released it last night. Busker adds that figuring out how much funding needs to be allocated for the repairs will take some time. We're trying to do it uh, in the most expeditious way that we can, uh, but then again, we, uh, we're looking at you know, making sure that we um, handle the, the taxpayers' funds accordingly, appropriately, so we're trying to uh, come up with some numbers now and see whether it's best to try to award a separate contract to a contractor or possibly put it in a contract that we have uh, underway now. It depends on what the amount is, the estimate of the work that needs to be done, and we're going about that today. 
Alachua County Sheriff Sadie Darnell was at the accident scene and says altogether roughly 23 cars were involved and immobilized and says the cars carried license plate tags from all over. Just from the tags that I saw, they're from all, every state. Uh, you know, a lot of Florida tags, and there, there are a lot of different people uh, from uh, other states. And then there are some rental vehicles, too, so there's no way to know. Uh, I certainly don't know where, where people come from, but it's going to run the gamut. Though the immediate damage from the accident is no longer present, dangerous conditions are still possible. And Darnell says the Alachua County Sheriff's Office will be out in full force along the roadways to prevent further accidents. We're going to be on the interstate and we'll be monitoring the conditions. Uh, we'll be popping lights. You'll be seeing much like, you know, the, uh, the, um, uh, like having a roadblock, but not having a roadblock, but having visible marked units on patrol that people will slow down. Alachua County Fire Rescue Deputy Chief of Op Operations Bill Northcutt says for emergency responders on the scene, officials are preparing a trauma debriefing. We do have a system that's called critical incident stress debriefing, and uh, it's something that we have at our disposal that we use when we, anytime an incident happens where we believe uh, that there may be some uh, personal fallout from being involved in the incident. Uh, we use it when there are uh, children involved in, in particular horrific incidents and certainly something at this magnitude. Uh, and we uh, are currently working on uh, setting that up at this point. As the smog clears and the dust settles on one of the most horrific pileups North Central Florida has ever seen, there are still plenty of unanswered questions as to what happened Sunday morning. You're listening to the front page edition of All Things Considered on Florida's 89.1 WUFTFM. We'll be right back. Support provided by Clean Energy Logistics Lab announcing Solarize Now. Solarize Now is a community-driven solar and hot water system installation program in partnership with local certified solar installers covering the entire state of Florida. Professional evaluation of energy use as well as system design information are available to individuals and businesses. More information on solar electric and hot water systems at SolarizeNow.org or 352-450-0975. The world-famous Glenn Miller Orchestra is coming to Gainesville for a special benefit performance Monday, February 6th at 7 p.m. at the Buholtz High School Auditorium. The orchestra, one of the most popular and sought-after big bands in the world today, will be playing many of the original Miller arrangements, plus some newer tunes that lend themselves naturally to Miller's style and sound. Proceeds from the special performance go to the Buholtz High School Band Scholarship Fund. More information is available at buholtzband.com. That's buholtzband.com. Welcome back, and now for a look at our weather with the University of Florida meteorologist Jeff Huffman. Jeff, looking at Saturday night's situation, can you explain what conditions helped contribute to the incidents? Uh, yes, obviously we had the the uh, visibility was the main problem, the main issue with the accidents uh, Saturday night and early Sunday morning. It was a unique situation where we have, um, and this happens a lot in north central Florida, this, this just happened to happen right over an interstate, a very heavily traveled road. Uh, the conditions weren't ideal for fog to form. We were not expecting widespread fog. But when you have a, a fire, uh, such as the one that was uh, burning in Payne's Prairie, the smoke, especially when you have some a temperature inversion, the smoke can settle near the ground. 
And what happens, uh, we have the mixture of the fog and the smoke. The fog forms uh, because of the uh, particles in the air, the dust and smoke particles in the air. That's what uh, the moisture condenses to. Uh, you know, there's actually, I've been reading on Twitter all over the country, there's meteorologists contributing to the idea that fog and smoke did, did mix to make this uh, this uh, visibility problem. Some, some people believe it wasn't actually fog at all. It was just smoke. But either way, uh, what happens is there's a temperature inversion so that the uh, air is very still and, and then the, sm the smoke or fog settles near the ground and just does not move. And the conditions can vary very quickly. As you're traveling along on the highway, you can encounter this depressed uh, section of the interstate and those visibilities will deteriorate very quickly. And I believe that was what li obviously what led to the accident. Uh, yeah, definitely tough to see out there yesterday. Uh, can drivers expect similar conditions moving forward throughout the week. I don't think the conditions will be as widespread tonight. That We did have the problem once again with areas of smoke this morning. I-75 was closed and we also had some issues up along I-10. I think even that stretch of highway was closed for a brief time this morning. Uh, there are numerous brush fires. They're small in nature. There's nothing widespread or very large out there burning right now, but we do have numerous ones popping up all over north central Florida on WRUF uh, on Cox Channel 6. We have an updated map showing you where all those locations are tonight and obviously there is still some smoldering taking place near Payne's Prairie, and there are still some fires burning up in along I-10 that could cause reduced visibility tonight. The winds will be light tonight, so we still could have the same problem. I expect conditions to improve tomorrow as wind speeds increase out of the east, and I think conditions overall as we head toward the end of the week will be improving, and that is some good news. So you think the conditions are going to improve throughout the week, but what will it take to clear the smoke and the fog out of the area? Obviously a lot of rain. I don't think we're going to get enough rain to eliminate this problem. Uh, we have we will get some rain, I think, on Thursday. The showers will be spotty in nature, and there's another chance Friday night and Saturday. You know, I, the locals always talk about this as well. We need a big tropical system with a lot of rain over a two- or three-day period to really uh, give us some improvement, not only in the fire situation but our drought situation. Uh, Considering the weather pattern we're in and the weather pattern that I'm forecasting for the rest of the winter, I do not see that happening for quite some time. All right. Thanks, Jeff. That was University of Florida meteorologist Jeff Huffman. This afternoon, two large water tankers were on the scene of Paints Prairie, where the 62-acre boardwalk fire is still burning. On the scene were officers with the Florida Highway Patrol, the Division of Forestry, and State Park Fire Management. Smoke was visible to motorists as they drove down U.S. Highway 441. Also on site were several dozen sprinkler heads being utilized to douse the flames still burning in the muck. Florida Fire Forestry Service Wildfire Mitigation Specialist Ludie Bond describes the status of the operation. Wildfire um, suppression takes several different phases. When wildland firefighters are sh first showing up on a fire, it's called initial attack and suppression. Um, sometimes that suppression efforts can go past 24 hours, and then that's called extended attack. And then you move into the mop-up phase, and that's when the fire is uh, trying to be cooled down and totally black, no visible smoke, no visible flame. But as you can see behind me here, there's still plenty of smoke on this fire. And we're in the mop-up phase of this fire now. It has been completely contained. It's 100% contained, which means those containment lines have been well established around the perimeter, and it's contained at 62 acres. But now what we have is active fire still inside the fire line. There's still plenty of smoke and heat within the, the fire. So what you see behind me now is an intricate sprinkler system that they're setting up um, with the, the water birds, they call them, the sprinkler heads they're putting up there to bring water onto the fire. Now there's no water around here to, 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 to draft from because we are in a rain deficit. You know, we're in a severe drought 
in this situation here. So the water tenders are coming in, they're staging along 441 to make the water available for the sprinkler hoses and there's an intricate web of hoses that the wildland firefighters are having to string all around the edge of this fire and trying to get it into the inside of the fire. There's also brush trucks that they're using to go out with the hoses. Those brush trucks have tanks on the back for water, and so throughout the day they're going back up here to 441 to refill their tanks with water and water and foam and go back out on the fire and spray water. Bond says weather patterns will affect just where the smoke will go. Well, right now the smoke is, visibility is, is minimal because the dispersion index it brings the smoke up into the atmosphere before dispersing it. So we're always at the mercy of Mother Nature. Weather is going to indicate how fire will or will not behave and where smoke does or doesn't go. It depends on wind speed, wind direction, uh, as to where the, the smoke blows. Um, the dispersion index will either pick the smoke up into the atmosphere or keep it lower to the ground. Usually in the overnight hours is when the smoke stays lowest to the ground, but during the middle of the day is when your temperatures are the highest, your dispersion index is the highest, but it's also when the relative humidity is the lowest. So while they're still putting all this water on the fire, our relative humidities today are only in the upper teens, so it's very dry conditions today. We also see gusty winds, it's very breezy out here, and it's plenty of beautiful sunshine. So how much of this water is actually being dried up by Mother Nature while the firefighters are out here tirelessly putting, out, putting the water on the fire? It's, it's difficult. Bond encouraged motorists to stay vigilant on the roadways in the coming days. Bond says it will be difficult to determine just when the fire and smoke issues will be over. We have we have no idea. I mean, there, there's just no way to know how long this may or may, may last. The, there was a similar fire on a prairie in Putnam County, the Levy Prairie Fire. We've been working that one since November 14th. There's the Honey Prairie Fire at Okefenokee Wildlife Refuge. That one's been going on almost a year. In past years, that swamp has burned a year and a half. So there's really no way, no way to tell. State Park Fire Management Officer Jeff DiMaggio says his team has been on the scene since the fire started on Saturday. Um, we've been working on this since the fire started. So we were out here all day yesterday and the day before that. DiMaggio says he has to rotate his team members so they can get some rest. We're rotating folks in and out. Uh, basically, we can only work so far into the night and it gets so foggy you can't see anything. Mm -hmm. So we're pulling out about 10 o'clock or so and then having just LEs run the traffic for us and then come back in first thing in the morning. Meanwhile, accounts are still coming in from witnesses to the deadly crash on I-75 on Sunday. 19-year-old University of Florida student Ronnie Herrera was headed north on the interstate coming back from Tampa when he says out of nowhere, the smoke forced him to stop on the highway. We were coming from Gasparilla in Tampa and uh, we were running top of Ames Prairie at almost around 4 a.m. So that's like when the accidents happened apparently. And, um, you know, you saw the you saw the edge of the smoke, and you didn't really think it was that bad. And, you know, it was a sign that there's smoke ahead, but there's always, like, fog in James Perry around that time. So we didn't think it would be that bad. And then you got in it, and you can see 10 feet in front of you. So you really saw that it was good to happen. But uh, we caught a glimpse of, like, stacks of flames. Herrera says he and his passengers were confused. They thought maybe they were driving through a wildfire. He says it wasn't until much later that they realized there had been a number of collisions ahead of him. We thought we were in the middle of a brush fire. We had no idea that we this fire just happened. There were fire crews there. Um, 
on the other side fighting the flames, but it turns out that was the accident that we saw. We only saw flames for like a fraction of a second, and then it disappeared behind the smoke. The smoke was like thick, like throughout like all of Paintsbury. I mean, we had no idea there was even accidents. We thought that the smoke, we had no idea that you know, the highway had been closed and it'd be rid of it. We didn't know that there had been any accidents until the next morning. At the BP station, just off the I-75 Micanopy exit gas station, attending Christina Skaliski-Merrill was working during hours the crashes occurred. She describes what it was like to be there when people hurt in the accidents walked into the station needing help. In the morning, there was not very much business, you know, because everything was closed off. Um, the police had a van that they were bringing some of the people who weren't injured but like needed to go to the restroom and get some coffee and water they were bringing that the people were in shock i mean it was so traumatic you know but we tried you know to be the best hosts that we could be we called um i know some of the people that have in the churches in micanopy and we called some of those people up here so they were here at both stations um, to be there to pray with them, you know, to talk with them, to just be a support for them, just seeing their looks. You know, they had blood on their clothes, and um, they were bloody. They used the restrooms to clean up, and it, it was it was emotional. People would come in very frustrated and angry because they couldn't get on the highways, and we were like, hey, look, people died. People are going to the hospital. You know, chill out. We've got the Atlas here. Where do you want to go? Depending on where they wanted to go, if they were going Tallahassee, Pensacola, or Jacksonville, or if they just needed to get around it, we were telling them the best ways to get around it. I handle rough situations well. That's one of my strong suits. You know, was when a situation like this happens, I know what to do, um, and I do what I have to do. It's afterwards where I'm, you know, I'm at home and I'm sitting down and I'm looking back at it and I'm going, oh my God. I mean, we've had accidents, you know, and we're prepared for accidents where they close it off for a couple of hours, you know, and there's one or two cars piled up, but not this big, nothing this big. I pray for them, but, you know, I know God will take care of them. What will be, will be, but... My heart goes out for them. Again, that was Christina Skalski-Merrill, who worked at a gas station at the Micanopy exit and helped victims from the crash. The Florida Highway Patrol is holding a press conference at 4.30 this afternoon, just off Interstate 75 in the parking lot of the Wendy's Restaurant near the 379-mile marker located on County Road 318 in Marion County. Now for a look at your news minutes around the country. Newt Gingrich and Mitt Romney are both looking past tomorrow's Florida primary as the polls show Romney with a comfortable lead. The former Massachusetts governor is already planning a stop in Minnesota on Wednesday on the way to Nevada. Gingrich, meanwhile, is warning Romney that there's still a long campaign ahead. Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton is planning to join her counterparts from France and Britain at the U.N. Security Council to push for a clear message of world support for the people of Syria. In a statement, Clinton says, we stand with you. She says the U.S. will throw its weight behind a resolution that has Arab backing, one that condemns President Bashar Assad's regime. Two Japanese companies have agreed to pay more than a half billion dollars in criminal fines for a price-fixing conspiracy in the sale of parts to U.S. automakers. Court documents say the companies sold electrical components to automakers in the U.S. and elsewhere at inflated prices. 
A judge in Haiti says former dictator Jean-Claude Duvalier should face trial for corruption, but not for the more serious charges of human rights violations committed during his rule. The judge says the statute of limitations had run out on those charges. Duvalier, who made a surprise return from exile last year, would face no more than five years in prison. Officials at the Columbus Zoo in Ohio have euthanized a spotted leopard that had lived at a wild animal refuge where dozens of animals escaped last year. The male leopard, one of six animals from the refuge that had been living at the zoo, suffered a severe spinal cord injury over the weekend when it was hit by a lowering door between two enclosures. Dozens of other animals from the refuge had been shot and killed by authorities after being set free by their owner, who then took his own life. You're listening to the front page edition of All Things Considered on Florida's 89.1 WUFTFM. I'm Mark Whiteman. And I'm Jordan Maddock. 